0: Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in this episode, Stars Play Executive Vice President of International Digital Networks, Superna Kale, discusses how the streaming service's strategy has been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, the shows proving popular under lockdown, and making the move into original series for the first time. But first, Former ITV America chief executive Brent Montgomery established Wheelhouse Entertainment two and a half years ago and has since struck production partnerships with the likes of talk show host Jimmy Kimmel and earlier this month comedian Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Network. Montgomery spoke with Nico Franks about the latter, but also why the US unscripted business faces its own reality check as a result of the coronavirus pandemic and emboldened Black Lives Matter movement. He was talking following a panel discussion at the recent virtual edition of the Series Fest conference.
1: This will uh, upend and change, I I think, probably in many ways, every end of the uh, television um, and film communities. Um, The way we make stuff, you know, stuff had gotten pretty bloated, specifically on the unscripted side. Um, You know, as somebody who grew up, as a shooter, editor, producer, and, you know, saw, you know, tapes of Wife Swap being made with two or three people in the UK on a crew. You know, I, I certainly grew up in New York as, as somebody that was running gun. And that ultimately, I think, helped me deliver on budget, you know, for for any size platform. But but I think we all, you know, reconfigured our um, teams to make 50 or 60 episodes of shows. And um, that doesn't seem to be necessarily where the audience is headed. You know, it feels like the audience wants really curated pieces of work that might be a story that's told in six or eight episodes and that's it. I mean, it's it's kind of very similar to, to some of the best work out of the UK we've seen, you know, um, historically. You know, I think about short-run shows like *Luther* and and other, you know, *The Office* and stuff that really, you know, I thought was uh, incredible at the time. And and I think, you know, how we shoot make these shows uh, is going to require rethinking. I think we we all sort of, you know, we've learned how to make TV, but we're having to relearn that right now. So the fact that we have a base camp level when it comes to how to ensure how to, you know, doing post remote post. With color correction and 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 um, audio mixing and all of that, I don't know if that would have been an easy pivot for somebody who's brand new. However, I do also believe that you know new producers will come in with less sort of historical um, baggage. You know what what I'm looking for in people that we're bringing on is people who don't talk about how it used to be because it's never going to be like that again. So let's stop talking about it. So there's a lot of talk about how we're trying to come back. um, You know, what kind of shows can we do? You know, Howard Lee, uh, you know, in the US, we have, you know, we have new regulations coming out the federal level, state level. And then in some cases, it doesn't really matter. It's what do your staff, what does your staff feel comfortable with? And, can you get people to come back? Are they? Are they? Do they feel comfortable when they come back? Um, and, and that I think for myself and most of the employers is going to be paramount. We'd love to be back making stuff, um, and I know we're specifically looking to do stuff and. Iceland and you know other opportunities that could be you know very different than where we would typically make a you know a show for for a, a streamer or a network but taking advantage of where you know where there's both a safe environment and crew willing to to go to work
2: and was the feeling fairly bullish because we're seeing some broadcasters pausing commissioning of scripted content which i guess should open up a window for unscripted a window of opportunity
1: i think there's a lot of at least in the US there's a lot of audience and people just expecting to know who the people they're watching are. And, you know, the things that have really popped during the global shutdown, or at least the US shutdown, have been Tiger King, Michael Jordan, uh, the Michael Jordan series. And these are real stories about real people. A lot of documentaries are being revisited that were sitting on hard drives um, because in, in this market, you can, if there is a second wave, if there is another shutdown, you can go out and get, you know, single person interviews fairly easily. and And that's all you may need to complete you know, the next big documentary. I think we're seeing, uh, you know, with TikTok and and Instagram and and all the other, so YouTube obviously, we're seeing people want to get to know people in in an authentic way. And so, you know, why we were so excited, or one of the reasons why we were so excited about our Kevin Hart relationship is that Kevin's built LOL which is a platform that we can work directly with advertisers we can work directly with other talent and you know we don't have to necessarily shut down because an entire you know media conglomerate shutting down you know it might be that we can shoot in a state that isn't touched by whatever is happening and 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 then we you know don't have to go through the process the sales process and and be at the whim of of somebody else. So, I think it's all tracking for unscripted to have yet another moment. What I think is so cool right now is you find great IP or you find or you find a great talent and it used to be, you think about, you have to go scripted, you have to go unscripted, or you have to go do a podcast or one thing. We're, we're looking at every one of these as how do we build out a portfolio for a specific talent or a piece of IP? And then how do we put it all together and try to you know think over you know a 24 month span? Are we gonna start with a podcast that helps us hone the best story? Are we going to then, um, you know, do a doc series, um, knowing that, a, you know, a scripted series is gonna take longer and and get the momentum from the doc uh, to get a bigger, better, you know, uh, talent above and below the line to do that piece of work. And I think, you know, we'll see how uh, the Tiger King scripted piece plays out. But I think we saw, you know, we've seen repeatedly with um, with different projects like uh, um, the Fire Festival with O.J. Simpson, Um, with Ted Bundy, you you see, once people are into a story, they want to go watch something else about it, something else about it, something else about it. And I think, Because there's so much noise out there, when there is something that people are into, they want to go deeper on that. I think podcasts were, was the first sort of sign of that, you know, and podcasts don't come with a 40 minute, you know, um, time clock on it, you know, they can go for much longer. And so we're really, you know, at Wheelhouse, we're focused on finding great talent, finding great IP, and then launching as many different assets around, you know, those pieces of work and, and talent as possible.
2: Yeah, the thing that jumps out when you look at Wheelhouse Entertainment and the companies that are within it, it's all about different revenue streams or different potential revenue streams. So you've got obviously the film and TV element, but then live entertainment and production, a digital content studio, an in-house brand and marketing agency, and then, yeah, even consumer goods and uh, a consumer goods investment arm. So I'd be interested in of those all those areas which ones are being positively impacted by the pandemic and which ones are really kind of being negatively impacted by the pandemic
1: yeah you know i think i think entertainment brands have been by far the most negatively impacted by the pandemic i I, you know and certainly that's the bulk of our business but we made a very clear decision as a senior team going into this that we probably weren't going to sell or make stuff for a period of time we like most people thought that was going to be shorter than it than it's now looking but we focused immediately on In-house development, and we've focused on two things: in-house development and partnerships. And this has been a fantastic time to get to know, you know, Kevin Hart through this period when he's been more available than he would have been historically. We've got two other A-list celebrities who we're trying to make deals with. We've got some TikTok stars, one of the biggest names in YouTube, and this down period. You know, it's kind of, it's really been interesting how fast, you know, you could become close with people through a very intimate experience of, of zooming into their bedroom and, and meeting their, their children. I mean, sometimes on purpose, most of the times not. And and so for us, it's been, you know, arguably the most creative time in the history of our company. And if there was one thing that we weren't, if there was one thing we didn't have before COVID uh, struck, it was, it was focus, you know, and it, or, or extreme focus. And I think, we've now cut a lot out of what we were looking to do and really focused on the things we think will be transformative. To give you an example of, of something that, that has done really well and, and a little backstory to get there, when um, myself and, and Ed Simpson decided to go and leave ITV to start Wheelhouse, it was it was really based on one thing. We were fortunate enough to be managing Queer Eye and, 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 and Cake Boss and Duck Dynasty and Pawn Stars and fixer-upper, maybe the sort of biggest opportunity of them all. And we thought, what happens if we go and we start to invest in these small businesses and we, you know, don't stick our hand out asking you to just take a piece of these businesses, but rather say, hey guys, we've been through this before. We've seen the power of, you know, turning, you know, your small business into a global hit TV series. And we know that nothing can kill a business faster than success so really being locked arm in arm and, and being able to provide to our network partners so, some comfort in that we're going to help this small business as it goes through these enormous um, moments of re- re- really really through the moments that um, can make or break their businesses or, or, or have them go off and, and focus less on the TV show that kind of um, is the platform for it all. So that was really the impetus was like, let's go out. ITV obviously, you know, isn't in the um, uh, venture uh, consumer good investing uh, game, so it it felt right to go out and start something that could be more sort of uh, entrepreneurial in in that respect. And you know, one of our early investments is uh, it's called Hydro, and it's it's like Peloton for rowing. And Oh, And that falls under, uh, you know, the new, the newest fitness craze, which is connected fitness and hydro was already doing really well out of the gate, but then something like COVID happens and, you know, people want to work out more than they ever have, and they're not going to be able to go to a gym. So sales, you know, have, have gone through the roof and, and we have, you know, with what we're building, the ability to put in celebrities and partners, um, to go out and uh, effectively message out that this is you know the next great thing, and so we have some jet fuel that we can throw on sort of the core you know business as a as a marketing arm uh, or an outside marketing arm. So that that that's one of uh, that's one that's done really well since. But I think most most businesses I think had to use this time to batten down the hatches and really figure out what you know what what pivots are necessary. And we tried as an organization not to chase our tail. You know, we did not focus on COVID programming because we, we assume the audience isn't going to want to watch people on Zoom, you know, for too long.
2: And I think I'm right in, in saying that in previous recessions, that has been a, a boon in, in general to reality TV. So, yeah, the, do you think the chances are high that it, it could be that history could repeat itself there?
1: Yeah, you know, I think in many ways this is such a unique, non-precedent, you know, unprecedented moment. That you don't want to draft too, you know, too many decisions from previous history, but uh, because these tech companies are very different than uh, sort of the traditional linear partners and and their businesses in many ways extend well beyond the P and L of of a traditional um, budget, a traditional operating budget of a linear network. However, we do believe everybody's got to be somewhat conservative, and you know, I think they want the, they're going to need quick turns. And unscripted, you know, can turn quite a bit quicker than, than scripted can. And so, you know, the, Netflix had a lot in its reserves, but it's certainly chewing through a lot of it now. And they're gonna need, uh, as others are, just, you know, a, a real influx of programming once it can be made. And, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's not rare that you can make four or five non-scripted premium shows for the price of one premium scripted show. And so that gives you more bites at the apple. I think historically uh, recessions, at least in the U.S. and probably more globally, uh, show that comedy, you know, and light fare can do better. And and, and and so I think we'll see more of that. I think we're certainly going to see more diverse green lights from more diverse storytellers uh, coming out of this and, and, and that and unscripted. Uh, hopefully uh, can be at the forefront of that. And so I I really believe that authenticity is really what people are looking for right now. And if done right, unscripted can deliver in that realm as well as anybody.
2: And since the end of May in the US and and then around the world, we've seen a huge amount of social unrest with regards to kind of recognition of systematic racism in society. Do you think the reality industry needs to kind of reassess its... How it's represented people of color sometimes on screen, and and do you see, um, yeah, the future of reality TV being very different over the next few months and years, given what's happened recently in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I think on the on the, first on the macro level, I don't I don't know that we'd be having this conversation if two things didn't happen, if if there wasn't a pandemic to where everybody was caught at home, you know, everybody saw uh, this horrific moment because of the fact that somebody had a cell phone. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think if that hadn't happened uh, on top of the pandemic, uh, I, I don't know that we'd be having this conversation. And, and, and that would be unfortunate. I think what what gives me hope is that this feels very differently than any other time in my lifetime, and I'm sure most people's, in that never in the history of time, would you know, I've been on Zoom calls with you know, leaders of our country, um, in, in business and sports and other areas. And they're not the kind of people that just want to talk about it. They're the kind of people that want to go off and do something. I think we have to be careful that what we go off and do is is extremely thoughtful, you know, and it has to be a process. And I think what what was an epiphany for me was We had, my senior team, we had all just gone through 90 days of, of, of having to be forced to go back to our business plan and reimagine so much of it. And, and, you know, we did it and it was hard and it was a lot of work and it took people changing the way they think. And I think that's the blueprint for what we have to do now, you know, for every part of the racial inequality that is out there. And I think specifically in reality. We have not, and I certainly throw myself into this group, we have not done the extra step, which is understand if there are not enough people of color in our ecosystem, well, that's not an excuse. We have to go the extra step to find out why that is and where are we gonna go to recruit great talent. And so first, I think it starts with listening. You know, I. I I, I ironically use Wife Swap swap as an example because the whole show was about putting opposites together and expecting fireworks. But often you would get there and you would have an atheist and a Christian or a racist, you know, white person and a black person, uh, or families, rather. And, you know, after about a couple hours of sitting and talking, they had really really different opinions. (laughs) And that's simply, in some cases, they'd never actually been around... The person or the group they hated, or if they had, they hadn't had an open dialogue around it. And I, I don't, for one second, think wife swap uh, you know fixed a lot of uh, uh, issues. But I think it, it just points to the fact that people have to sit together and they have to really listen and be informed. And, and right now, I, I think it's it's time for most of us to do more listening than talking.
0: Brent Montgomery from Wheelhouse Entertainment. Starsplay, the international streamer from US premium cable net Stars, has recently acquired the second season of award-winning Hulu comedy Raimi for Europe, but Executive Vice President of International Digital Network's Super Nakale says the SVOD service is still very much focused on drama. She spoke with Nico Franks about how the Stars Play strategy has been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, the shows proving popular under lockdown, and making the move into original series for the first time.
3: It's interesting because as productions get delayed all over the world things that we thought we would have uh, on the service this coming summer were were certainly delayed as were uh, dubs and subs as well as people couldn't go in to record and so what we've had to do is try and find product that is readily available so we've been lucky enough to secure really great shows that we're fully produced and, and we've been able in many instances to be able to dub them in time to put onto our services globally. And so there's great examples and to so some of the shows that we have upcoming are normal people. We have, um, just recently aired Dublin murders, which was in the late fall. We've got new seasons coming of um, some of our favorite shows, um, later in the year, some like Spanish princess, for example, will come at some point later in the year. We're very excited to, um, air at some point Ghost, which is the follow up to the power universe. And we'll be able to have that day and date globally, which is a first for, for stress play. So we're incredibly excited about that one and then on and on and on. So we've been able to pick up a bunch of product, a lot of which we haven't announced as yet, but, um, stay tuned for more information on those.
2: And I suppose you'll be aware of uh, how big a show Normal People was for the BBC here in the UK. Do you think it will be able to replicate that success in other markets?
3: Uh, We do, actually. We have high hopes for for that show, as well as we've got The Great um, coming uh, any day now, actually. Um, And The Great has been a massive success for Hulu here in the U.S. So The Great followed right after that by Normal People. And then there's there's several more shows that, again, we haven't announced, but um, things that you will have heard of that were just mind-blowing shows. And so the strategy for Stars Play is really taking all of the Stars originals from the U.S. um, service, airing them day and date wherever we can, and then augmenting with fantastic acquisitions like The Capture or Killing Eve is is two good examples. So we bring the best of global SVOD and our brand strategy is to stick to premium SVOD. I would even call it ultra SVOD, ultra premium, in the sense that we lean very heavily into adult drama, edgy, sexy, crime, thriller. Um, We do not shy away from blood, gore, you know, nudity, and we lean into that actually. And so what we've been able to do is curate a service that really fits the bill beautifully for folks that are looking for premium shows in whatever country they might be. And at this point, we're in 50 countries, which includes our sister company, Stars Play Arabia, um, through the MENA markets, the Middle East, North African markets. And so we've got the ability to buy content all over the world with multiple you know, varying strategies. So for example, we could buy for all 50 countries, and again, that includes the MENA markets as well as India um, and Japan. We can buy for just Europe, just Latin America, just the US, or some combination thereof. So it gives us a lot of flexibility and it gives producers a lot of flexibility when they're selling to us if they want to hold back rights for other territories or other other output deals or partners that they might have already.
2: Yeah, how are you finding it? Because I imagine it must be a bit like a a jigsaw puzzle at times when you're trying to get a show but it's available in some countries but not other countries. Are you finding it a bit of a headache?
3: It's definitely not a headache. I mean, I have a really strong team that um, is based out of both London and, and the U.S. and L.A. Uh, who scour the earth for, for great content. And, you know, in terms of how we market and things like that, we've got a very nimble marketing team that works very closely with our distribution partners in whatever country it might be. So we're able to really merchandise and um, amplify shows in territory depending on where we have certain things. Um, so Des is an example of a show that we only had in France, um, where we spent a lot of uh, effort really promoting the show, and it, it, it really drove right to the top. Um, in Latin America, we have a show called uh, The Name of the Rose based off of the book by Umberto Eco. Uh, we only have that in LATAM and that's great. It works beautifully.
2: You mentioned being available in 50 countries and I know that expansion strategy has been a, a big um, high up on the agenda over the past um, few months. Ha- has the pandemic accelerated or will it accelerate the the expansion strategy or could it actually uh, throw up a few, a few bumps?
3: So I wouldn't say that it would accelerate the expansion into more territories. What it has done is it has um, actually increased our brand presence because people are home a lot more. So our acquisitions have gone up. Our engagement has gone up. People have found the service because they're just surfing more, Um, you know, and we've certainly leaned in with our partners or channel partners or even on our own D2C app, which is available in eight countries, um, to make sure that we are front and center. When um, the pandemic started, we had just put in an offer in the market in Europe to get Stars Play, which normally is $4.99. We did a promotion for 99 p or €99. when the pandemic hit and the stay-at-home orders hit, we decided to actually extend that to give people a little bit of an economic break and in in the ability to actually discover the service. And so we leaned into marketing heavily on social media, digital advertising wherever we could, and even TV spots as well. And so Hightown was, I believe, the, the show that we were premiering then, which again, global and date release with stars us and so we used high town to really drive home the service of of, you know giving folks an example of who we are we had other titles behind it as well in our tv spots and in our digital spots as well so people could understand that you know there's a lot here on this service and there really is a lot of amazing content
2: what are some of those shows that you're finding you know when you're going through the data that that people are subscribe subscribing for and keeping their subscriptions for
3: yeah, that's interesting. Um, different shows for different people. So for example, Castle Rock season two, people started with one if they hadn't seen it and stayed for season two. People that watched season one came back for season two. Um, Mr. Mercedes when we had season two of that as well. Same, same idea there. And then our princess series. So White Princess, White Queen, Spanish Princess. The next part of Spanish Princess is coming up as well. As I mentioned, a show called The Act was a phenomenal, phenomenal hit for us. That's a Hulu show as well. And The act it just you know to this day we it's been over a year that it's been available on the surface still actually often in the top three in every country where we air it and and that's the story of a a woman a real life story true crime story of a woman who had a daughter and she had munchausen by proxy so she was making her daughter quite ill and and there's a murder in there etc so right up our alley um again massive massive hit for us And so when that season two comes out, which has been a bit delayed, um, we'll be able to really, I think, uh, engage consumers again.
2: And it's a really interesting business because you're effectively cherry picking a lot of the shows that are available in certain countries and then bringing them over to your service. But I suppose the downside to that is when those services themselves expand internationally, some of those series might um, not be available. Is that something that's that's on the horizon as, as services like Hulu potentially expand internationally?
3: So, you know, Hulu um, is a fantastic service here in the US. I think they've publicly said they're not going international for quite some time. But even if they do, the fact is is that, you know, we, we can definitely control our destiny. You know, there's a lot of folks that, uh, sell to Hulu, but keep their international rights for themselves and they won't sell them necessarily because it's coming from other studios. So, you know, the act is a great example of that. I, I believe comes out of Universal Studios. And so I'm not particularly worried about the dearth of content. There is so much. And we, again, as I mentioned, have very, very strong and deep relationships with uh, independent producers as well. And so the other good news is that we have this phenomenal American slate or sorry, US slate coming from stars that, you know, really helps us control our destiny. And so if we ever find a situation where we can't get the shows that we need, we can just amp up the production on the US side of things and feed the services. But again, this is not something that I lose sleep over ever. There is so much amazing content and you'll see us start to develop our own stars by originals in territories um, in local languages soon as well.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was going to get onto um the potential for, for non-English language content, and so are, are there any more specifics you can give me on that?
3: Not yet, other than it's, it's not just one. It'll be quite a few and we'll be uh, probably announcing that soon.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah, because the reason I was going to ask about non-English language is because obviously the US has been hit by the pandemic hard, just as many other countries have, but where we're seeing some countries now being able to return to production. The US is one of the countries where it looks like it's still relatively a long way off into, you know, to, to be able to start shooting. Do you think that could one knock on effect of that could be that there's an increase in, in openness to non English language programming either on the streaming services or US broadcast or cable networks potentially in the US?
3: I definitely can't speak too much about the U.S. uh, cable networks, but I will say this, that, you know, productions can be moved in global, especially if they haven't started yet. You can move locations. You know, that's something that Hollywood has done forever, whether it's in Canada or whether it's in Europe, Eastern Europe, Australia, um, etc. So I'm not super worried about that either, frankly. You know, for us, um, we've always had it in our roadmap to produce original content for stars play in local languages. That's always been there. It's just a natural evolution of, of you know, of our service. Nothing will air until twenty twenty one anyway for us. Um, we're in development, how, you know, in script writing and all, all the pre-production stuff that one does with the shows. But, um, you know, I think that things will come back. Um, and we've definitely, there's one show in particular that I was excited to have this fall, which is not from Stars; It's from a, a third-party production company that actually is going to be set in New York um, that is delayed till next year. But as I said, you know, we've been able to fill those holes pretty nicely so far. And so, yeah, I'm excited.
2: Um, are there any yeah. other consumer kind of data insights that you're able to tell me about what people have been watching during the pandemic
3: so most recently in the uk the act has been again top uh high town as i mentioned that was a day and date release um earlier in the past month castle rock is still up there the princess series do quite well and then the evergreen hunger games films you know especially in the us uh sorry in the uk the tutors has always a strong hit for us wherever we air it that that should give you a good idea i think And mr mercedes of course evergreen as is castle rock
2: and how about comedies has there been have you noticed any uptick in in comedies because there was some people saying, you know that that there might be a a shift towards people wanting some more light relief i suppose
3: so we don't have a ton of comedy i would say we have some dramedy so we have um, an example would be um rami Another example is Four Weddings and a Funeral and Harlots. Those are probably as far comedic as we really go. Um, and those shows, interestingly enough, have not been in the top top 15, top 20, I'd say, um, of late. You know, and again, when they debuted, certainly they were. Um, I think, you know, I don't find myself watching too much comedy these days either. I'm, I'm, I've been binging on dramas with the time I've had.
0: Supurna from Stars Play. That's all for this episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.